Hello everyone, this is James Bakken. Welcome to the Notorious Banker Podcast. 3,250 amazing followers at BankBetterGuy on Twitter, 20,000 followers plus at Notorious Banker on TikTok, 4,000 plus followers at Notorious Banker on Instagram, and of course I am the author of High Risk Transaction, the Ryan Coogler Bank of America Incident, now available in paperback and Kindle formats on Amazon. Guys, thank you so very much for the love and support. I really do appreciate it. I do apologize about the delay in between podcasts. It's been really, really busy. I mentioned to you that I'm writing a book. We're going to get to the subject of the book in the first segment. But it's going good. I wrote 8,000 words in a chapter. And I got a second set of eyes to look at it. Of course, that second set of eyes is my beautiful wife, Gabrielle. Um, who was the first victim of Zell that I knew. <laughs> and I was, the, I was the second victim because I was sending money to her. And I'm explaining that in the book that is going to be about Zell um, coming really soon. Hopefully I can get it done by mid-August. I'm really looking forward to getting that out there. Um, but it's been a busy week with that. A lot of things just going on on the home front. There's this grocery store game that I'm playing. And as you know, I'm an extreme couponer. There's this grocery store game I'm playing in my local grocery store, and straight up, I've got about $1,000 worth of free groceries, and it does require some of my attention um, on my computer and on my mobile device, so I've been kind of slacking, just not responding to tweets and stuff, nothing major, but um, been ramping it up the last 10 days or so, because it seems like um, every time I log in, it's an instant win, and I don't want to bore you with the details of how I'm getting it done all I can tell you is about $1,000 worth of free groceries, and I, I can spread it out until the end of September. You couple that with amazing couponing skills, and $1,000 of free groceries can take me clear into 2023. Trust me on that. So I'm, I've been really busy with that. And um, as I mentioned, my wife read one of the chapters in my um, Zell book. My wife is currently in the true north. She is in British Columbia, B.C., Canada, in Vancouver to be specific for a, a, a work meeting of hers and I gotta tell you I'm so damn proud of her she is an amazing person an amazing woman and you know she gets to go on these cool trips because of the the nature of her job um, you know the the specialty that she has in regards to her job allows her to go to Vancouver and she's going to DC later this year she's going back to Vancouver in February and I really want to go with her in a few months i'm going to save up every penny i'm going to collect every can to make sure that i get to experience canada because i've never been and i always wanted to but um she's over there for three days so um after i record this podcast i'm going to get to writing um another hopefully 30 to 40 pages of this book because i want to get it done asap and without her being here i'm sad and i just want to be distracted so i'm going to be getting that done uh i may record another podcast or two just to have in the queue um, while well, I'm going to be off editing and whatnot in the coming days and weeks. But we got a lot to talk about um, today. And one of the things that I had mentioned in the last podcast was I helped someone secure their mortgage after getting burned by their bank. $260,000 um, plus incident there. And we got that taken care of. And, you know, there's just all these little minor things that I'm doing to help people like I always do. But one of the things that's getting harder and harder is Zelle. And we're going to talk about that in the first segment. As you know, my friend Caroline in Florida ripped off of nearly $17,000. She proved that she was a victim of a crime. Bank of America has done jack shit to help her. 
Um, we have another story about a man um, in, in the Cape Cod area of uh, Massachusetts near Boston, a victim of Zell as well. And um, the, the news organization that helped him, WCVB, and I'll get to them in the segment as well, um, actually helped him recoup some of his money back after putting a lot of pressure um, on Bank of America. And that just goes to show you the inconsistency of how Zell fraud is just prevalent. Especially with Bank of America, but most banks, there is not a uniform policy on how to help victims of Zell when it comes to them getting ripped off. And it's just ridiculous, and this is why I'm fighting back, and this is why I'm going to write this book. Because it, the truth needs to come out. Period. End of story. Another segment we're going to be talking about is another Bank of America story, and it's something that came out during the earnings season. As you know, I used to talk about earnings seasons all the time, but you know what? Bank of America makes a shit ton of money. Who, you know, who cares at this point? I mean, yeah, I care, but at you know, at the same time, as Americans, you want to succeed, you want to thrive. And do I do I wish Bank of America would um, lose money and go out of business? Not not really, because whenever a big bank like that goes away, that's harmful to the economy. I want them to get a huge slap, not on the wrist, but on the ass, on the face, whatever. And I want them to be fined heavily. I don't care if you make a profit, but make it ethically. And Bank of America hasn't done that. Well, you know, during the earnings report where they announced they're making another $6 billion, it came out, and I'm going to share with you a CNBC article, that Bank of America is putting aside $200 million for probes into bankers' use of personal devices. Now, it's a regulatory matter. This is something they teach you whenever you're a Bank of America employee or an employee of any bank for that matter. Um, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to this particular topic. So I want to get into the weeds a little bit with that. But I got to tell you, you know, with the, with the $225 million fine they got for the unemployment thing and then the $200 million um, potential fine for this unauthorized use of personal devices... It seems like Bank of America is aware some shit's going to go down. And if I can help push with the Zell thing, I know that it's going to go a little bit more further off the cliff. So we're going to talk about this unauthorized use of devices as well. But first, we're going to talk about another Zell complaint. Because, of course, you know, I got a book about Zell coming up really soon. So after this brief promotional consideration, I'll be back with that. So please stick around. All right, everyone. I'm back with more Notorious Banker. So last week I didn't record a podcast, and one of the main reasons, too, was I was gone for two days. I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, attending the basketball tournament. Yes, that's the name of it, the basketball tournament. Not a really catchy name, right? Well, they shortened it to TBT. My hometown, New Mexico State University, had an alumni team. They were called the Panamaniacs. They went against the University of New Mexico's alumni team called the Enchantment. It was Lobos Aggies, one-on-one, this time with older players, the rivalry renewed. I was so excited. As a basketball fan, I loved every single second of it. Um, it was cool to see that. And um, there's a lot of things that I'm going to talk about in the book about Zell because one of the reasons I went to that was because Zell is the primary sponsor of the basketball tournament. And I expected to see propaganda, or as my wife and I like to call it, propaganda. We have this thing where we talk like British people and we do the ER thing for anything that ends in A. You know, Donner and Tanure. <laughs> it's stupid, but it's just one of those cute little things that couples have. And my wife and I say propaganda. So um, 
I expected to see a lot of Zell propaganda. I just I just knew that Zell was going to be omnipresent because of how omnipresent they are on ESPN telecasts of the same. And uh, long story short, not only were they not omnipresent, aside from a few PA announcements and a couple of signs, that basketball tournament almost seemed like an afterthought. It seemed like a made-for-TV event to push Zell, to push other things. And I'm going to get about, get into that in my book about Zell. I already have a title for the book, and I'm not going to name it on here because I think it's kind of cute and kind of catchy, so we'll get to that in a couple of weeks here. But I went there for the Zell-sponsored basketball tournament, and, you know, boy, I got to tell you, you know, it's just one of those things where I wanted to learn, and I did learn a lot, uh, mainly because of how I was even used as propaganda, as propaganda, um, but getting placed strategically near banners during an ESPN telecast. And it, it's it's wild. And if you saw my tweets last week, you know what I'm talking about. But I'll talk more about that in the book and in the podcast whenever I discuss my Zell book. But one of the things that happened while I was um, kind of away in between podcasts was the fact that there, there was yet another, another Zell scam. Scammers taking away thousands of dollars from another person. And what can I say? This is like a weekly thing, and it's it's ridiculous. It's fucking stupid. I can't believe that we have to do this every day. But um, this one was in the Northeast Boston area, Massachusetts. Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank of America's hometown. Anchor reporter Ben Simino, who has kind of a consumer reports thing for WCVB Channel 5 ABC affiliate. Did a story titled "After Scammers Use Zell to Steal Thousands, Massachusetts Man's Bank Wouldn't Help." I saw this story. I knew it was Bank of America. There was no fucking way that it wasn't gonna be Bank of America, because this story. It seems like everyone has this story. It's like the old West. It's like someone comes along, you know, in a in a horse and buggy, and tells you tales of back east, tells you tales of Paris and China. And they tell you all these horror stories. They tell you all these interesting stories. And they try to sell you some bullshit. They try to sell you some items. They leave town to go to the next town. They tell the same stories as if they're brand new. But it's the same tired story over and over again. But it just seems like every market is finally getting their, hey, old person scammed by Zell. Um, Bank of America wouldn't help. So this is what we're going to do. And, you know, it doesn't matter young or old or woman or man. It just seems like the bank is not willing to help. My amazing young friend, Caroline, in um, the Orlando area of Florida, ripped off a $17,000 via Zelle. Bank of America doing nothing to help. And Bank of America claiming in a news report that they, they are working to assist her with everything. And I know that's a fucking lie because I talk to her once a week. It's a lie. Well, Orlando area... Uh, news organization is owned by Hearst. Hearst owns Channel 7 in Albuquerque, so I'm familiar with the company. WCVB, I didn't know offhand who owned them, but I saw their webpage and I was like, that's a Hearst station because the local news in Albuquerque looks like that. I saw it with my own two eyes uh, last week when I was there. And the Orlando area station looks like that too. I knew it was a Hearst station, so guess what? The same news organization is doing two different stories about two different Zell scams and two different Bank of America instances where they're just fucking lazy and they're not helping. So here's Ben Simino's report. I'm going to read it verbatim and I'm going to interrupt um, as things pop up here. 
Harwich, Massachusetts. I don't know a lot about Massachusetts except from Bill Simmons, podcaster, Ryan Rosillo, podcaster. And just what I've picked up over the years, Cheers, of course, big thing. Um, so I'm not familiar with that area, so I had to look it up. It's in the Cape Cod area. It says, every day more than a billion dollars moves through Zelle, a money payment app that is found embedded in nearly every bank account in this country. And scammers have taken notice at how easy Zelle makes it to send and receive money. Despite federal rules requiring banks to refund unauthorized transactions, one man turned to New Center 5 for help when his bank kept passing the buck. In just seconds, nearly $3,000 disappeared last month, unauthorized, from Frank Capinelli's account at Bank of America. And this is what he said. I see in rapid succession these three withdrawals coming out of my bank account. Bang, bang, bang. This happened to me. At the time, Campanelli had unwittingly give scammers remote access to his phone. They quickly used Zelle, a money transfer service built into his Bank of America app to steal from his account. Now, here's the thing with that. We get so many pop-ups on our phone. We do. I, I get a million of them. I'm going to click it right now. I haven't looked at it in 15 minutes. I have two pop-ups on my phone. I, I'm probably going to ignore them, but some people just want to get rid of that clutter on their screen, and they just hit the middle. They hit approve, deny, whatever. And if it's something that looks like Bank of America, they may click on it, and they may unknowingly give access, remote access, to scammers. This shit happens, and the bank knows it, too. I know it, and I'm not telephone literate, really. I mean, I, 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 I'm a child of technology. I'm a child of the Internet. But there's shit that comes out that just blows my mind. Like the other day, my wife, because she works from home as well, had one of the IT people at the university get remote access to her phone, and she still trips out. She gets blown away whenever they control her, her, her mouse pointer, whenever they control her screen. It's like, how can you do that? And I've had that with Bank of America, too. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. They, we, they know this. Bank of America knows this because this is what IT people do. These, these are smart people. Even the smartest person who is not an IT person is probably as smart as the smartest IT person, if that makes sense. If you pick up stuff, if you're easy to learn something, easy to learn a skill, a trait, you know how to rip people off. And I've said that a million times. I can rip off a million dollars using Zal because I know what it takes to get it done. Does that mean I'm going to do it? No, I'm an honest person. But if I know how to do it, then thousands of people know how to do it. Campanelli says he tried to stop it. After each transfer, the bank sent a confirmation text. Screenshots from Frank's text messages show he was trying to type no while the scammers are typing yes. Unfortunately, they were too quick and successfully made off with 999 998 and $899, a total of $2,896. Now, here's the thing. I worked at Bank of America 13 years I started 17 years ago, okay? I should be more than halfway done with my career had they not fired my ass four years ago. One of the things they teach you at Bank of America is people may try to structure transactions to make them look legit. When it's 10000 cash reporting to avoid reporting to the IRS, they deposit $99.99 and $0.99. Cents. And you know what? Even though they didn't do 10001 you're supposed to report that just the same because it looks very suspicious that they did that just number that was a penny short of that. I've always said fraud isn't uniformed. Fraudsters know that. Fraudsters know if you send 999, 998, those are two different numbers, so it's not going to flag using Erica, and no one's the wiser. And then 899 makes it look like, oh, yeah, no, maybe this guy worked three weeks uh, for the other guy, and he paid nine ninety nine. He paid nine ninety eight because he worked two minutes less that one time. And then eight ninety nine. Yeah, he was sick half a day, so he he didn't get paid a full check. 
they don't know that, but the scammers, they structure it to make it look like it's normal because it's varying amounts. Like, unless you eat the same meal at the same restaurant every fucking day, your your lunch total, your dinner total is going to be different. It's just, it's just a fact of nature. It's just going to be a different transaction. So it says Campanelli immediately called Bank of America and filed a report with Harwich Police. But the bank says, but says the bank told him Zelle transfers are like cash. Once the money is gone, it's gone. Now that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So when money's gone, is gone. Well, okay, well, if I transfer money, meaning I give you hard-earned cash face-to-face, and then you go, oh, well, thank you, James. And then I go, hey, no, no, wait a second. I, I, I don't approve of this anymore. Can I have it back? Is the guy going to say once it's gone, it's gone? Who fucking talks like that? Either the guy's going to say, no, a deal's a deal, or he's going to give you the money back. So it's not over. So the Bank of America is putting in a, a seed into your head saying that, hey, you know, once this button is sent, you're screwed. What kind of what kind of sales pitch is that? It's like, you know what, this is so convenient to send money to your grandma, to send money to your mom, to send money to your brother. But once you hit that button, it's permanent, and they permanently get the money. Like, that's basically what they're telling customers. You would not put that in an advertisement. It just it makes no sense. Bank of America says it needed 45 days to investigate. Guess what? There's that patented, we're going to take 44.9 days, deny you on day 45, and you're not going to have any room to appeal. And then denied Campanelli's claim, saying, <clears throat> We completed the Zelle transfer according to the instructions you provided us, and therefore no error occurred. In a second denial letter, the bank suggested that Campanelli contact the person he sent the funds to, totally disregarding that he was scammed and the money stolen. Imagine that. I'm going to use horrible analogies in a second, but someone puts a gun to your hand, so I'm going to fucking shoot you unless you give me money out of your wallet. And then you give the money out of the wallet, and he runs away. And you go to police, police officer, that guy put a gun to my head. Well, you know, James, you should go up to him and ask him nicely to return the money. That's what the fucking bank is doing. The bank is saying, yeah, contact the crook. And say, can I please have the money back? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me that the bank still does? I, I, I just, I can't believe it. Someone gets sexually assaulted. You didn't consent to that. You go to the cop saying, hey, I, I didn't consent to this. He assaulted me. And the cop's going to go, well, you know, can you go back to your, to your rapist and ask him maybe if he misheard you as giving consent? I mean, you know, if you handle it yourself, a lot of the times a resolution can take place. This is what the bank is saying except for money. I hate using that analogy because, you know what, there's so many women affected by so many things. And, and, and God help them with all these new crazy laws, you know, coming to fruition across the country. Whether you agree with the politics of that part of it or not, there's a lot of movement in this world. And it's just uncomfortable, okay? And you know what, with banks, banks are so full of movement. They always want to think for the next thing. And the thing with banks is... They never completely patch up the things that are wrong with the old thing. They'll just move on to the next thing. So, you know, I don't anticipate Zell being here for like 30 years. I anticipate there's going to be something new at some point. But now they're just, they're just not paying attention to all the flaws. They're like, oh, no, it's a great product. Just the experience of being victimized this way and then being powerless to do anything about it is just so infuriating, Campanelli said. They know that Zell has been used for scamming for a while now. Now, this, this is the, the part of this Hearst article from WCVB in Boston that sets this apart 
from all the other Zell scam stories I've seen across the country in the last four years, and if you've been listening to this podcast, coming damn near 200 episodes, um, I've talked about Zell on probably 40% of them. Ben Simino, the anchor reporter at WCVB, has a very intelligent paragraph here, and I need to break it down. A 1978 federal regulation known as Regulation E requires banks to reimburse customers for unauthorized electronic transactions as long as the customer provides timely notice. Last year, the CFPB determined that the rule applies to payment apps like Zelle, but plenty of other customers say they filed appeals with banks and received the same vague denials. And Senator Elizabeth Warren says it's just not right. She's become an outspoken critic of the massive amount of fraud says that Zelle has enabled, thanks in part to banks building the platform directly into their apps. The banks are the ones who put it in there. The banks are the ones who are profiting off it. And now the banks want to say when things go wrong, oh, it wasn't us, talk to the hand. She said no. Senator Warren sent a letter this spring raising a number of questions to Zelle's parent company, Early Warning Services, LLC, which is co-owned by seven of the nation's largest, largest banks. In response, Senator Warren says she learned $440 million was lost on fraud um, on Zelle last year. I guarantee you it's more. The company says that's far less than 1% of its transactions. Yeah, when you make your customers use it by not helping them in the branch, yeah, you tend to, it's going to be a drop in the bucket because you made it that way. The company says it's far less than 1% of its transactions and it does require banks to refund customers from unauthorized charges. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bank of America, if someone's a victim of a crime, you hit refund. Okay, because this person is a good person and they deserve to be refunded. Do the right thing. That's Bank of America telling Bank of America that. Okay? like It's like whenever... You know, horrible analogy unless you, you have um, parents like mine or grandparents like mine. I used to get spanked as a child. It's not a bad thing, okay? It's a good thing. It made me who I am. Maybe a little crazy, but it's I understood why. Because I was an asshole as a little kid, okay? But there is a point in time when you're a kid and you try to work the system. Your mom's going to spank you or your grandma's going to spank you or your dad's going to spank you. And you know you didn't do anything wrong. You know in your heart of hearts. And then you and and your 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 mom's about to spank you. You tell your dad, Dad, I didn't do this. It was it was my brother. It was someone else. I didn't do it. And your dad has to play the role of abstaining <laughs> from an opinion because he doesn't want he doesn't want his wife, my mom, to get mad at him, or he doesn't want to play favorites, or he doesn't want to be manipulated by you, even if you are not manipulating them, and he still gets spanked anyway. What I'm saying is, Bank of America is one of the parents. Zell is the one spanking you because of all the fraud going on. You plead to Bank of America, please help me. And Bank of America does nothing because Early Warning Services is the person they married. Early Warning Services is the one that they love. And they want to show a, a, a strengthened and united front against you whenever you, you do bad. And in this case, what, what Zell is doing, to use a horrible analogy, this is horrible as I talk about it. Zell is basically saying that you're lying. That you, you said you had money stolen? Well, we think you're lying. Because only people who send money using Zal to people that they know. And if you say it's people that you don't know, well, then I have to question what the heck you were doing with Zell. Um, no, I was fucking ripped off is what I was doing. I was ripped off and you guys aren't helping. So Zal is that parent that's just getting ready to wail on you. And Bank of America's like, yeah, well, maybe next time, kiddo, I'll help you out. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's a horrible analogy. I'll never use that one again. But if you if you grew up in a household like I did, um, I was a dick-faced kid, okay? I sucked as a little kid. 
and um, I have ten nieces and nephews, and I can tell you the ones who get spanked, the ones who don't get spanked. Um, big difference, big difference in how they act. Trust me, and I'm and I'm saying that pro spanking. That's all I'm gonna say about that. So Senator Warren says the bank's response hasn't been good enough since several of them own Zelle. They built it into the platforms and no fraud is rampant. The banks are deeply wedded and involved in this, and I think that means the bank needs to make good for its customers. Despite denying Frank's claim twice, the day after New Center 5 contacted Bank of America, they reversed course and refunded his money, all of it, which a spokesperson says they were already considering doing. Yeah, likely fucking story. Give me a fucking break here. Excuse my language, but give me a break. I always, I, I've been calling it the victim lottery. I call it the victim lottery. If you can get on the news, 99% of the time you can get your money back. There's two people who haven't got their money back. One is Caroline in Orlando, and I'm still working with her. And the other one is Jose in D.C., an immigrant from this to this country, who got the money for his paperwork stolen using Zelle. Young kid, bilingual person. He's the first person I ever FaceTimed in my whole life. And you know what? He was the victim of a scam in Bank of America. Despite the fact he was on Spanish TV pleading his case, Bank of America was like, yeah, no, no, it, you, you did it. It was, it was all you. Spokesperson for Early Warning Services, LLC, Zell's parent company, says that there's no fail-safe on the waiting period of moving money because they believe sending money in minutes provides people with greater utility for their bank accounts. Greater utility. That's a fucking $10 word if I ever heard it. Now, give me, now, give me one second here. I might ponder one thing. Think about, you're the Bank of America media relations person. You go, hi, this is Bank of America media relations. My name is one of those assholes. How can I provide you with excellence today? And then the news person, I'm going to use the news voice, which is the same thing as the banking voice. Hello, yes, my name is Ben. And I'm calling from WCVB in Boston. And I have a victim of a Zell scam here. And um, he told me that Bank of America was not going to refund his money despite numerous claims, numerous pleas for him asking for assistance and now um we're we're wanting to know what's going on how come you're not helping your your customer here um you know let me call you back um i need to check with someone about this maybe something's going on maybe it's just a crossed wire mix mix up in communication i'll call you back in an hour media relations guy goes okay we got a ben simino in boston we got um a campanelli guy in massachusetts says he's a victim of Zell. Go to Zell. Um, yeah, Mr. Campanelli's been online like 10 times in the last year. Never used Zell. We're going to have to refund this one, right? Yeah, because, you know, he's saying it's fraud, and these numbers look suspiciously like fraud. And even though he authorized it, I think it'll save good face if we can refund this. They still didn't think they did anything wrong. They know it's it's fraud. I'm watching the TV show Dope Sick about OxyContin and the Sackler family and all this shit that's going on. And I swear to God, I, I, I get like PTSD looking at that show because you have the Sacklers who are the bankers who are lying about what's going on. You have the salespeople who have to believe the lie, otherwise they get fired. You have that come to Jesus moment as a salesperson saying, I don't want to do this shit anymore. And then you realize, you know what, you're a serious part of the problem. Bank of America knows that they're a serious part of the Zelle problem. Chase knows they're a serious part of it. There's some banks that, that have Zelle that actually just help people right away. And yeah, I understand. We don't talk about that in, in this particular podcast. But this show used to be called Why Your Bank Sucks. I only talk about bad things. The good things are cool whenever they do happen. And I'm glad Mr. Campanelli got his 
his money back here. But there's some people that just don't give a shit, and they don't care. They're not, they're gonna stick by their guns and say that hey, you know, we believe this is a great service and it's changing lives. People aren't standing in lines anymore. Yeah, yeah, because you fucking kicked them out of their lines. You showed them a better way to do it. Knee a horrible fucking way that can get you scammed. And then you close the branch down or you limit the hours or you limit the staff to make it inconvenient for that person ever to come back, okay? It's the same thing, like, you know what? I want to live in the middle of the woods, but I got to build a road to get to the place I'm going to build my house. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to hunt. I'm just going to gather food. I'm never going to go to the grocery store. I'm never going to see humanity again. And I don't want any fucking people coming to my little oasis on the mountain here. So once I build my house and I get some, you know, materials for the next three to five years, I'm going to start planting just greenery. I'm going to start planting trees and bushes. I'm going to grow over the road and make sure you can't fucking find the road. That way I can be here. Honestly, that's what's going on with banks. They show you a better way to do things, quote unquote. They teach you how to do it. Then they get you out of there. They migrate you out of there. And that, that helps them prove a point that, hey, less and less people are going into the branch. A couple of months later, they close the branch down. And guess what? You don't have a bank anymore. All of a sudden, you have something that requires a little bit more attention. Um, you can sell $500 to your sister. But if you need to send $500,000 from a last will and testament to your sister because mom died... You can't send it via fucking Zelle. You got to go do a wire transfer. So you go to the bank and go, well, this bank is permanently closed. You grew over the road. You grew over the road. You got rid of the one way to get to you, which was the branch. And the and how you did it was you showed me a different way to do things that works most of the time. I'm not saying never use Zelle. I'm just saying, you know what? Be really cautious with it. Be really cautious. I want to get rid of it, but it's not going to happen. You have to you have to understand that, you know what, there's always a solution to your situation, your, to your problem when you go into a bank. A banker's job is to show you how to rectify that or to make sure for best practice purposes that you don't have to do certain things again. And one of them is not have to go into the bank. Sometimes you need to. Sometimes you need to, and that's fine. But the bank is, is lying and saying, you know, tens of millions of people are using Zelle um, of their own volition, billions of dollars, because you literally cock-blocked them into using Zelle. They can't use Venmo and upload money into Venmo because you charge them a $10 non-teller withdrawal fee or a $10 cash advance fee or whatever. You literally block them into using your product that fucking scams people. And you have the balls to say so many people are using it and love it. Fuck you. I've used a lot of F-words in this segment of the podcast, but you know what? That's the fact of the matter, okay? The reason why Zal is so scammy is because criminals know that the banks aren't going to do shit about it, and the banks have made it so lax that you basically just need to guess fucking phone numbers. Guess phone numbers, and you can find out a person's name, and you can find out if that person does Zell. You don't even have to know their name. You, just, you could just tell that that phone number has Zell. And go, hi, yes, I'm calling from the bank, and I just want to make sure that you're aware that there's a potential for fraud using Zelle. Um, it looks like someone sent you um, a request to send $1,000. Now, I want you to cancel that, and then I want you to do these instructions. And then you end up fucking sending money to yourself, quote-unquote, when in reality it's a scammer. I know how to do this shit, and I'm not even a scammer. So... The banks have made it so easy for people to get victimized, and it sucks. I want to change that. 
I have to break bread with Senator Warren, if I have to break bread with anyone who listens to me, I'm going to write this book about Zell, and I'm going to talk to you about what I think is going on, what I know is going on based on my experiences, and honestly, I have ways of fixing it. You just got to fucking listen to me. You just got to listen to me. Thank you to Ben Simino, the anchor reporter for WCVB, for helping this gentleman. I'm going to try to reach out to this gentleman in a couple days and just understand a little bit more about what went on at Bank of America. But all I can tell you is this. Now I'll wrap it up for this segment. The Day of Reckoning is coming with Zelle and Bank of America and Chase and all these big banks that own it. There's going to be hearings. There's going to be testimony. There's going to be bankers lying to Congress. It's going to happen. But I need to make sure that I'm part of that. Because there's a few people who talk about Zelle a lot. One of them is a follower of mine on social media, Bob Sullivan, really good guy. Uh, really intelligent, talking about Zell all the time. But the difference between Bob Sullivan and I is I actually worked at Bank of America. I actually worked in banks. I've actually um, seen Zell problems firsthand as a banker. I've seen how my bank has handled Zell issues. I've seen how they've not helped people with Zell, And I've seen through my advocacy work how people get ripped off. I'm the person to talk to about this. I'm the person to talk to about Zell stuff because I've seen it all in the several years that Zell's been around. I'm looking forward to the future, but in the meantime, I'm going to work hard to fix the past, and that help and that includes helping my friend Caroline get her money back. And we're going to make it a point. Yeah, class action lawsuits and all this bullshit can happen. People can get rich. Lawyers can get rich off of it. I understand that part of it, and that's fine too. It's it's un-American to not want to be successful in your line of work. But you know what? There's not a lawsuit in this world that can fix all the damage that the banks have done with this product that's inferior to a lot of the other products in the market simply because the banks want exclusivity for that customer's attention. But secondarily, they've left the door unlocked. And you know what happens? Shit gets stolen when the door is unlocked. I lived in an apartment complex before my wife and I bought this house and an amazing two-car garage. I find it interesting that no one in my fucking neighborhood uses their two-car garage for um for, for cars. They use it for shit. Reminds me of that whole George Carlin line where, you know, my stuff is shit and your shit is stuff. Um, No, it's shit. They have a lot of junk in their garages, and they don't put their cars in there. But you know why I started putting my car in the garage? Oh, I didn't want it to be cool and... I didn't want it to get dusty or the elements or sunspots and all that. Fuck that. When I lived in an apartment complex, I had my car stereo stolen six times in six years. Satellite radio, CD players, MP3 radios. I've had toolkits stolen. I've had them steal um, the sunglasses out of my glove box. I literally had someone steal the little air conditioning vents, like the little things you use to move the vents left to right. Well, they took the whole fucking vent out. They stole the vents from my car. Zal is an unlocked car in an apartment complex. And there's some criminals looking to tear some, take some air conditioning vents, my friends. Zal is evil and I'm here to fight against it. The notorious banker's attention is at its fullest when it comes to evil Zell. We'll have more on this topic as the days and weeks roll out because i got a book coming up that's going to talk about Zell and all the little things that people don't talk about. But next, we're going to talk about really quickly this $200 million that Bank of America set aside for a potential lawsuit uh, as it pertains to personal use, uh, personal devices, 
and uh, non-public information being sent to them. So please stick around. All right, we're back with the last segment of the Notorious Banker podcast here. So as I mentioned, Bank of America made a shit ton of money, blah, 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 $6 billion. We talk about it all the time. I get tired of talking about it. But there was an interesting note in the earnings article here, and CFO, um, and I don't know if this guy's British or not, but his name sure sounds like he's um, he's an English gentleman, an English bloke. Alistair Borthwick, the chief financial officer of Bank of America, said on Monday that he expects the matter to be settled soon in regards to the two hundred million pounds. Or you could do like the Cockney voice. Oh, you got two hundred million quid there, you do. Bank of America puts aside two hundred million quid for probes to that's two hundred million dollars, by the way, for probes into bankers' use of personal devices. Really weird story, really complicated story, but I can tell you a lot about it just in this short little um, several paragraph article that CNBC has here. Um, it's from Reuters actually, but CNBC put it out um, on their website. Bank of America has set aside around $200 million for a regulatory matter connected to the unauthorized use of personal phones. Chief Financial Officer Alistair Borthwick said on Monday. I'm going to be fucking doing that now. I'm going to be looking for Alistair Borthwick's um, name on Google. Just so I could say, Chief Financial Officer Alistair Borthwick. Last year, Reuters reported that the U.S. SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, was looking into whether Wall Street banks have been adequately documenting employees' work-related communications, such as, such as text messages and emails, during the work-from-home period of the pandemic. This is interesting, Okay. Roughly $200 million is earmarked for other probes and how the bank kept track of employee communications on the personal devices, like cell phones, both, Wick said. And then this is what he said on a call with reporters. Oh, God, help me. I'm going to use a British accent. <clears throat> the balance of the expense relates to an industry-wide issue, and it concerns the use of unapproved personal devices. We hope to finalize that in the coming weeks, in the coming fourth night. I added that part of it. Okay, so due to a second during the second quarter earnings, Bank of America recorded four hundred twenty-five million dollars to adjust regulatory matters. Two hundred twenty-five million was the unemployment fine that they got. This other two hundred million was the personal use devices. SEC and Commodity Futures Trading Commission fined J.P. Morgan two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, two hundred million dollars for widespread failures to preserve staff communications on mobile devices, messaging apps, and emails. Other major investment banks like Morgan Stanley and Citigroup have put aside cash to cover similarly expected fines. Regulators require banks to keep records of all business-related communications. As a result, financial firms typically ban the use of personal email, text, or other social media channels for work purposes, although bankers do not always comply with these rules. The SEC's head of enforcement has said banks' failure to fully record all staff communications has hampered its probes into other unrelated issues. I get this. I get this totally. I understand it. And I think if you read between the lines why Bank of America did this, knowing that Chase got fined a similar amount, it's, it's simple. Non-public information in a, in a public space or in a, in a not a safe space. And, you know, you talk about the work from home during the pandemic. I had a couple of people who had my own role, my old role in Bank of America giving me some intel about what was going on during the pandemic and it was a fucking mess they were sitting at home getting paid to not do anything then they get a computer and they say set up the computer okay you're gonna be in a meeting on monday this is what you're gonna do 
And then they find out on Monday, you're going to test PPP loans. You're going to be doing this for us. You're going to be doing that for us. And and all of a sudden, you be you went from a banker to someone who is, you know, reading business documents like you're a fucking pro. There's a lot of learning curve for a lot of these people. You know, just because I'm a banker doesn't mean I know algebra. Trust me, I'm horrible at math. I'm good at sales. That's why I'm a good banker. You know, I can do 1 plus 1 equals 2, but... I don't really need to do that much more than basic addition and subtraction when I'm at Bank of America. But, you know, whenever you're doing loan documents and you're doing, you know, issues with fraud and all these other things that people didn't know when you're training them on the fly while they're sitting in their extra bedroom trying to, quote, work. It makes a lot of sense that once the COVID restrictions eased at the beginning of this year, why banks who said oh no you must have you know covid vaccines you must have this or you can't i repeat you cannot come back to the office then in march they're like yeah come back to the fucking office okay we don't give a shit we just you know hope that if you're not vaccinated that you use precautions you know it's it's fucking stupid and and whatever whatever your thoughts are about vaccines whatever i don't care i'm not talking about that but what i'm talking about is this probably was was telegraphed months ago when Chase got in trouble. They're like, oh, shit, we don't, we don't want more to come out. And we don't want to get fined even more if we know that there's something like this going on within our bank. So it's easier to just say, you know, fuck COVID. Have everyone come back to work, come back to the office. I don't care. No doctor's notes, no bullshit. Either you come back to work or just submit your resignation right now. I think it was because of this. Now, the whole personal emails, text, and other social media channels for work-related things. Well, I know that's a regulatory thing. And God help me, I'm just as guilty of doing it, too, when I worked at Bank of America. I've texted customers. I've had um, email people email me to my personal email saying, Hey, James, I got this going on with my account. I didn't fucking ask for it. I didn't say, Hey, yeah, you can email me personally all the time and I'll help you. No, fuck that. I want to get paid for it. People found me, they emailed me, said, oh, hey, James, I got a problem with this, I got a problem with that. Or then someone texted me, then I had to send to my boss saying, hey, our customer, your friend is saying this and that, what do you want me to tell him or her? And my boss said, you know what, tell him this, tell him we'll help him tomorrow, whatever. So the reason why I say I'm guilty of sin with all that, because bankers still do it to this day. Maybe they're not doing it as much because they're not working from home anymore, but I'm guilty. It's hard to not share non-public information in a setting like that people talk you know waitresses talk waitresses talk about how ugly people got or what an asshole that person is or how how fucking hot that woman was that walked through the door you know they talk like that because that's what you do at work to pass the time you know what bankers do to pass the time they tell stories of work and a lot of those stories contain information that you wouldn't otherwise know unless you work there so banks are aware of that i know that they're aware of that because my direct bosses have told stories that you shouldn't tell out of work, out of work. That's the way that it goes. But I guarantee you that that's the reason why work from home stopped being a thing at banks, because they knew that this was going on. And to be frank with you, I get it, but that doesn't mean that I have to like it. Because, you know, a lot of the customer service that Bank of America provides can easily be done from the confines of a home. And, And you, it's an honor system thing. Well, you know, if that person breaches your level of trust, well, then you pursue that legally, criminally, whatever. But you can't just say, you know what? 
we're going to put this money aside because we're going to get fined, but we're bringing everyone back in because we don't want to get fined again. No, that's when training comes in. That's when you got to tell people, do not do this. Do not do this or let us put a fucking low jack on your phone or, or your computer and let us monitor and track your information. Of course, I wouldn't want that. People would say, hey, privacy concerns or whatever. But it doesn't matter. If the bank is putting aside $200 million like it's fucking pocket change, and it is to them because it's basically three days' worth of profit, that still means that they know something went down, okay? And all the, the cell phone, text messages, social media posts, they can track all that. I know they can. I've been in trouble for social media posts before when I worked at Bank of America. Someone tracks that. Someone is a fucking tattletale. And you get in trouble as a result of it. It sucks. I hate it. I hate everything about it. But I get it. I get why they're putting this money aside. Now, that being said... You know, as a customer, do you have to worry about this? Like, oh, my information was compromised. Oh, my goodness. I'm going right now to LifeLock and making sure that my information is done. It doesn't work that way. Whenever, and, and I hate this, you know. Like, T-Mobile had some tens of millions of people in a data breach. Yeah, and data breach means nothing, okay? Like, I go to Albertsons, the grocery store, all the time over here. And sometimes I go to an actual clerk because everything's self-checkout nowadays. But I'll go to an actual clerk. And sometimes they have, like, the this work schedule. It's like, yeah, Joe's going to come in from 11 to 5, but he's going to have a break at 2.30. And then Nancy's going to work from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., but she has an hour break from 1 to 2. That's non-public information. If I scan that and I put that on Facebook and go, look at this, this is Albertson's very top secret lunch schedule. That's non-public information. That doesn't mean it's something that's like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. But that information is, is meaningful and private to someone, okay? So if, you know, am, am, I, am I saying that bankers didn't do, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I want to send you this picture. Look at this. This is Dr. Dre's bank account at Bank of America. He has $52 million, and he has it all in the checking account. He only has $100 in the savings, probably because we oversold him, right? Yeah, people send shit like that. I'm not going to lie and say people don't do that. I had a friend who was almost fired for looking up Eminem's account, the, the rapper. And, um, yeah, people do dumb shit. And, and they get in trouble for it or they get fired for it or whatever. That doesn't mean, oh, there's John Smith. Oh, remember that John Smith? He banks with us. The guy that works at Subway. Yeah, I wonder how much money he has in his account. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up a gym membership using his account. Fuck it. It doesn't work that way, okay? Like, I told you in the previous segment, Zal is easier to scam people. This, this personal information, unauthorized use of personal phones for non-public information. So what? Who really cares? Like, it's something that, at the end of the day, it was probably nothing that's going to harm the company. But at, at the same time, I understand why they had to do it, okay? But it's just weird. It's just weird that work from home had to go away. Because, honestly, with all their customer service reps, you don't... You don't need to work in an office anymore. Actually, the office is a distraction. I think you can work more efficiently from the confines of your home for a lot of the customer service stuff that Bank of America does. But anyway, they put that money aside, and they're expecting to be fined for it. Let's hope that the notorious banker and the hard work that I do can get those knuckleheads. And we're in the eve of the wrestling event SummerSlam uh, in a few days, six days from now. It's been a year since I went to Vegas and caught COVID to go see last year's SummerSlam. I can't believe that. But in honor of the time-honored tradition of this WWE event, 
these summer slam sweat hogs <laughs> as said by former um intercontinental champion ravishing rick rude may he rest in peace that's what i call people that i don't like summer slam sweat hogs um i hope that they're aware of what's going on and i hope that they're aware that there's another big fine and sanctions coming up hopefully on behalf of the notorious banker and so many people who are impacted by big banks particularly bank of america I'm going to link to both of these stories in the show notes. Until we meet again, my friends, my name is James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker. You can find me on Twitter at BankBetterGuy, TikTok and Instagram at NotoriousBanker. You can go to TheNotoriousBanker.com for more information about yours truly. You can send a donation via Venmo or Cash App. I know I don't like Zelle. And of course, if you want to subscribe monthly to the Notorious Bankers Project, you can go to Patreon.com slash NotoriousBanker. For as little as a $1 subscription, you can help me fight back against big banks. And what do I do? I keep the lights on. I keep my computer on. It allows me to work as hard as I can for the people who are impacted by big banks. And damn it, I'm going to continue to work hard. But I always set aside about an hour once every week for this podcast. And I'm glad I did this time. I will have another podcast in about a week or as breaking news warrants. Um, excited to have my wife back in a couple of days. But I'm also excited to write the Zell book. So stay tuned on more information about that. That's going to be my third book in a calendar year. I'm so fucking proud of that. It's ridiculous. I got two more to go to hit my goal of 10 books by the time I'm 40. I am going to do it, my friends. You can reach out to me by email at thenotoriousbanker at gmail.com or my voicemail line, 575-322-4127. If you leave any questions, comments, concerns, any praise or negativity towards this podcast, I may use it in a future episode, so please do that. But until we meet again, my friends, my name is James Baca, again, known professionally as the Notorious Banker, signing off. You have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. And um, by the way, screw Zell.